Welcome to the Eco News Report. I'm your host this week, Tom Wheeler, Executive Director of the Environmental Protection Information Center, or EPIC. And I'm joined by my friend, the Co-Executive Director of the North Coast Environmental Center, Caroline Griffith. Hey, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you all? And we're also joined by the North Coast Environmental Center's Coastal Programs Coordinator, Ivy Munnerlin. Hi, Ivy. Hi, Tom. How's it going? Good. All right. So we're here to talk about Coastal Cleanup Day. Ivy, you are in the midst of planning for another great Coastal Cleanup Day. So let's let's talk about, well, let's first talk about the history of Coastal Cleanup Day because it, it's been something that the North Coast Environmental Center almost invented, right? How far back does this go? Yeah. So this goes back to the early 80s with there was a grant given to some community members that were involved with the NEC for the beach beautification project, which was basically a beach cleanup like we would think of it today, which was not so much of a thing back then as it is today. So it was kind of definitely spearheading that idea. And that program kind of morphed into the Adopt a Beach and Adopt a Block programs, which we still have today. Those are our some of our longest running programs. And from there, the Coastal Commission took notice and started California Coastal Cleanup Day. Since then, it's become a worldwide event and it's the largest volunteer event on the planet. So so just to, to reiterate all of that, little old Humboldt County and little old North Coast Environmental Center yep. <laughs> are, are the genesis of a worldwide beach cleanup day. The, the largest mm-hmm. volunteer cleanup day on the planet. So, all right, just a, a quick sec to pat ourselves on the back for that. Definitely. Yeah, not a bad, not a bad bragging, right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and interesting to think about, like this thing, just like picking up trash as being like such a revolutionary kind of like radical thing, right? And that it became this huge around the world, people are doing it to really like keep track of what it is that is ending up in our oceans. And there's an old eco news. We have archives at the office and there's an old eco news from like way at the beginning that's talking about the plague of plastics. And that's how this started was the plague of plastics, which kind of makes me, it makes me chuckle a little bit to think about how even in 1985, they thought it was a plague of plastics. Like they had no Mm -hmm. idea what was coming. Oh my God, no. Yeah, and I I grew up, beach cleanups are a normal part of, of living somewhere near the beach. And before the North Coast Environmental Center spearheaded this, it wasn't so much of a common thing. I, I also like the, the terminology that we first used for the beach cleanup, but beach beautification. It reminds me of Lady Bird Johnson, the wife of President Lyndon Baines Johnson, who first ladies often have their kind of pet projects and hers was beautification. And there's a really great podcast and I'll put out a podcast recommendation here for something that's not the Eco News Report which is In Plain Sight, which is a podcast about Lady Bird Johnson and her beautification efforts. And I had no idea that Lady Bird Johnson was such an environmentalist. So she used the term beautification, but really what she was talking about was was the beauty in nature. And this was, this was a, a really progressive and bold environmental program that she was doing. But because she was this soft, sweet first lady from Texas with a little drawl, Everyone just kind of diminished it to like, oh, like planting flowers along highways or whatever. But she was much more radical in terms of her ideas about beautification. So anyways, check it out in plain sight. It's a great podcast. Okay, so history. We, we, this is a historically rich event. And this year we continue on the tradition of beach cleanups. 
Tell us about what's going on this year for Beach Cleanup Day. Yeah, so this is our 42nd year of this event, and we're kind of taking the best of both worlds, and we're we're grabbing some of the best elements from the last two years and mashing them up. So last year, we had to kind of reimagine the whole event with guidance from the Coastal Commission as well, and turned it into a month-long event that was more dispersed, less of the like big, huge 50 people cleanups that have been common in the past and really emphasizing doing cleanups with your family, just on your street, neighborhood park, keeping it a little bit more local and a little bit more dispersed. And we really enjoyed that sort of longer format. It it gave more opportunities for cleanups for folks who couldn't make it on the one day, usually a year. So stretching it out every weekend in September was really, we thought, really effective. So we're going to be continuing with that. And we're also going to be continuing with the tradition that started in 2019 for our 40th anniversary by my predecessor, Casey, who was seeing a lot of single-use plastics involved with Coastal Cleanup Day. And a lot of the, the sponsors for Coastal Cleanup Day are companies that make plastic water bottles and, and you know contribute to this problem. So she kind of saw a need for a zero waste version of this event and really went all the way. We got donations of buckets from the co-op and reusable like soil bags and grain bags from breweries and and garden supply stores, got gloves from Ace Hardware and and we got some trash pickers and just awesome supplies. So we're going to be continuing that zero waste format. So Folks will be able to check out reusable or reused cleanup supplies this year again. So for this year's event, obviously the the Delta variant is going around. Really scary numbers about the total number of cases in Humboldt County right now. So just a, a brief pause to remind people. Get vaccinated. It is not just for yourself, even if you think you're going to be able to beat this virus. I should mention that someone in their 30s recently died in Humboldt County. So even the young are not immune from the most severe and tragic consequences of this disease. But get vaccinated. It's for your, not just for yourself, it's for others. And this is how we get out of talking about COVID all the time is that we do something about it. So please, 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 please. And I'm probably preaching to the choir, given that this is a uh, the listener base of the Environment Show are folks who are into science and people who are into science know that science says that taking the vaccine is both safe and effective. All right. Sorry. I I, I feel like I need to be on a soapbox <laughs> here because I'm so tired of anti-vaxxers. Please. So, but this year we have the 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 Delta variant to worry about. How are you taking Delta variant into account for this year's event and what sort of safety precautions are going to be in place? Yeah. So, so our sort of stance on this has changed over time as, as the Delta variant has become more of an issue. Like at the beginning of the summer, it was, everything's fine. Everyone's getting vaccinated. The state's reopened. It's going to be great. And now we're, we're taking some more things into consideration and, It's kind of going to be play it by ear, but we're suggesting right now that if you're not vaccinated, please wear a mask when you're outside doing the cleanups with a larger group. And if you're not comfortable being in a big group, just go ahead and do one with your family or friends or some people in your bubble. Keep it safe and keep it whatever you feel comfortable with. Yeah. And and the other safety issue in September is going to be what's the air quality going to be like. So we will take that into consideration as well. And and recommend that people don't go out if it's if it's getting really bad. 
Well, and, and one of the things too, that I think was really great about the shift last year for this is that by doing more dispersed throughout the month cleanups, it really just gets people in the habit of like, this is just a regular thing that you do. This isn't, it's, it doesn't have to be like on one particular day of one particular month. Like we have, we still have waste going, running through our waterways and into the ocean every single day of the year. So why not get out and do a little bit every day instead of waiting just to do it one day a year? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So many of our, our listeners are probably dog people, like my friend Jen called the director of Humble Baykeeper. Right. I, I know her dog Bailey loves to to run along the beach. So if you're out with your dog, bring bring a little bag, bring some gloves to pick up trash, and it is it is something that you can incorporate into your normal beach routines. Living on the coast, a lot of us go out to the beach every week. So make it part of your daily routine or your weekly routine or your beach routine to pick up trash as you're out there. Yeah. You can find some real treasures as well. I got to say, as a trash picker, I have found some amazing gems of things that if I wasn't in the habit of picking up trash, I would not have found on the ground. So if you need any other sort of incentive besides the, the feeling of being a good person, I hear that there are prizes for this year's for this year's event. Can you talk about what what people could win as, as a result of being a good human? Yeah. Yeah, so this was introduced last year just to to kind of remind people that this event was still happening and to get an extra incentive to get out there. And we're going to continue it this year. So every week there'll be a raffle. And if you've participated and checked the box to say, I want to participate in the raffle, then you're entered to win. And we've got a lot of cool local businesses that have donated. We've got Humboldt Distillery. We've got Dandelion Herbal Center. And a couple others, and I'm I'm going to be putting together those prize baskets in the next week or two. So so stay tuned on our social media because we'll be posting some pictures of of what we've got to give out. And check out the North Coast Environmental Center's Instagram in particular. I, I think that the NEC does a really good job of posting both kind of fun stuff, educational stuff, and inspirational stuff. And you'll find out more information about the Coastal Cleanup Day on their Instagram and Facebook pages. So check them out. Definitely. So. How can people sign up for this event as a volunteer? Yeah, so you can head to our website, yournec.org slash Coastal Cleanup Month, and you can find a lot more information than, than I've said today, and also some links to sign up as a volunteer, and you'll see like a list of different cleanup times and locations, and you can just check the box next to the ones you want to go to. Or you can say, I'm going to do just a cleanup with my friends and family and just type in where, where it is you're going to be cleaning up just so we have a sort of an idea of like what's going on where and, and where stuff has been cleaned up this month. Coastal Cleanup Day relies on site captains. So what, what is the responsibility of a site captain and how can one become a site captain? Yeah, so we're always looking for more site captains. Basically, this is somebody that hosts a cleanup site. So it can be a business that can host a site, an organization, just an individual or a group of friends. And you're responsible for basically welcoming volunteers that show up and distributing cleanup supplies and data cards because data collection is going to be a big part of our efforts this year. And it's pretty mellow. We're always looking for more folks to join. So if you know somebody or if you're interested, yeah. So and if, if you want to become a site captain, you're welcome to email me at ivnecmail at gmail.com. So. 
All right. Ivy, NEC mail at gmail.com. Ivy, NEC mail at gmail.com. And I'm sure Ivy can also answer other questions from that same email address if you have definitely ivy nec mail at gmail.com all right and you i'm sure are looking for other sponsors we have some great sponsors humble distillery the dandelion herbal center if you want to be associated with a really cool event where people volunteer their time to go make the world better which is a, a thing that i think most businesses would probably want to sponsor how should they contact you You can check out our website. We have a link to donate and that'll take you to our rally up page where you can submit a donation. You don't have to be a business to donate. You can be an individual and all this, all the funding goes towards paying for coastal cleanup month and towards our coastal programs generally. So our programs like trash trackers, marine debris monitoring assessment project, and a bunch of other stuff. So it goes to a really good place and it's, it's important for us to be able to continue bringing these awesome events every year. Eco News Report, joining me is the North Coast Environmental Center's Coastal Programs Coordinator, Ivy Munnerlin. Ivy, can you talk a little bit about data collection? You mentioned that, but that's a big part of all of this. Yes, I can. <laughs> so, so the sort of data collection angle of the Coastal Cleanup Day and our cleanups generally was introduced by my predecessor, Casey, who kind of saw a need to be paying attention a little bit closer to what we're finding and where we're finding it. A pile of trash that you pick up, that's just information. So there's there's people that their whole career is studying trash. And it really tells you a lot about the people who are producing that trash, the society they live in, the culture. And for us, it really tells us valuable information about how we can sort of turn off the tap on the plastic flood that is just coming onto our beaches, streets, all over the place. So what we're able to do with that data is is we can show, for example, Arcata passed a single-use plastics ban for restaurants, like plastic forks, knives, and stuff like that. And they used some of our data as justification for that ban because we've seen a massive amount of plastic food related plastic packaging and it's it's a big problem so with that data we're able to kind of target where we can turn off the top of plastic yeah which is that is a really exciting thing to me as like a policy person right to be like you know i think that there's this kind of this idea that like picking up trash we're just out like just doing beautification. And there is kind of, it can be a little bit classist in that way too. Like it's used as a justification kind of to, to hate on people who are houseless. There's a lot of that happening in our community, but to really see that this, there's a, there's a policy reason why we do this. If we can look and see what the trash actually is, then we have, it's not just hearsay about what it is. We actually know what people are finding on the streets. And so we can use that to create policy, which is really exciting. And to think about how that could happen in a larger scale statewide, there is a movement for more like extended producer responsibility, like to actually target those people who are creating the trash that ends up on our beaches. And it isn't exciting to think about how we could play into that. Now, we've done a show in the past, and maybe we can link in the show notes, on extended producer liability. But Caroline, can you just give a, a brief summation of what that is? Yeah, that's actually, 
it can be multiple different things, but one easy way to look at it is like a tax on the production of plastics. So say you are a bottled water company, you would actually pay per bottle that you create that would go into a fund, which would then hopefully go towards, and in theory, and I believe what is being looked at legislatively in California, go towards actual recycling facilities of those things here in the United States. Because as it happens now, a lot of what gets recycled is actually shipped to other countries where they deal with it in a lot of their human rights abuses and environmental abuses. And we don't actually know that those things get recycled. So extended producer responsibility would hold those producers responsible and actually create mechanisms to recycle those goods and create an incentive not to produce them in the first place to find alternatives. Yeah. That's the best solution in the end. Right. I I know that you also at the NEC have something called the Marine Debris Identification Guide. Can you talk about what's going on with marine debris and why you're trying to track that? Yeah, so so this is a project that, again, my predecessor Casey started, and she's been working with the Coastal Programs Advisory Committee, which is a group of concerned community members and, and longtime volunteers who help work on projects for our coastal programs. And we created a guide to a lot of the more difficult to identify types of trash that you might find on the beach, specifically trash that relates to the fishing industry, mariculture, oyster farming industry, hunting. And so it's kind of a, you can access it on our website and it's meant to kind of shed some light on some of those items that are commonly found, but are really like confusing to figure out what it is. A boat or, or crabbing boat. Again, we can start to hold the bad actors responsible. So there, there is a regulatory and enforcement angle in all of this. Definitely, yeah. And and two of the items that we are we have been concerned with for a while are these segments of black plastic pipe that are about a foot in length, and they we're not quite totally sure where they're coming from, but they've sort of washed out potentially out of the bay and and along the coast. So that's one thing that we are watching. And then also these fragments of like yellow plastic three-stranded rope. It's like neon yellow. And that has been showing up all over the place as far north as like Auric and as far south as Petrolia, basically. So we think that that's coming from coast seafoods operations because oysters are grown on the rope and then they're cut into segments and shucked off the rope and the rope sometimes gets loose. So it's definitely a way for us to get some information on where this stuff is coming from and hopefully hold some parties responsible. So something that I've seen a bunch is that those shotgun casings, you know, they're, they're the little plastic kind of tubes. They have a little metal cap at the base of the tube. What, what's going on with those? Is the NEC concerned about shotgun waste? Yes, very, very much so. So there's two different parts of this shotgun waste issue. And one is the shotgun shell, which is like a usually a colorful plastic tube. About It's about the size of a lighter. And that is discharged like right next to the person using the shotgun. And then the other part is this like white plastic little, it almost looks like a badminton birdie. It's a birdie, right? 
yeah, that's kind of what I think of them looking as. And they've got these four prongs and they have these just little white plastic little doodads. And those, when a shotgun is fired, those just like shoot out 50 yards away. And there's like really no way for the hunter to go and retrieve it. And back in the day, those were made out of cardboard. So it wasn't an issue really that just decomposed. But they made them out of plastic now because it's cheaper. So it's becoming a huge problem. And hunters aren't happy about it either because that's damaging the ecosystem that they go to for recreation. So there is finally one, one product on the market that I've been able to find that is a decomposable shotgun wad. And it fully biodegrades and it's produced by Rio Ammo, and it's called Eco Blue Steel. So if you know somebody who hunts, if you hunt, if you go to a, a sports store that, that carries ammunition, like let them know about it. Because from what I've read, it the performance is exactly the same as a regular regular ammunition. So there's really no reason not to to switch over. It's really amazing how how thoroughly we have moved over to producing things in plastic and how that has like permeated almost every product field. And really to think about like how that relates to other forms of environmental degradation, right? Like these, these plastics come from fossil fuels, which are largely fracked, which are transported in pipelines and how like this is all connected. Now we could trace this back to the Enbridge 3 pipeline, the, the fight that's happening right now. And it's just so amazing to me how quickly we moved as a society to using so much plastic when we have we have alternatives. Yeah, we do. So, uh, Ivy, you've mentioned that the Coastal Program and Coastal Cleanup Day is one part of the NEC's broader efforts to reduce pollution and, in particular, litter. I'm not sure who's the best to answer this. Caroline, maybe you know some more about this. You also have the Adopt-A-Block program and the, the BUT program. Can you talk about those two programs at the North Coast Environmental Center? As Caroline said earlier, the, the month-long format for Coastal Cleanup Month is, is beneficial because it actually encourages people to make cleaning up just a part of their daily life. And that's kind of the direction we're going in with our other coastal programs, namely Trash Trackers, which is very easy and it's like our our entry level volunteer program and it's it's very similar to coastal cleanup month essentially it involves you going out picking up trash and then just typing in on the NOAA marine debris tracker app which i can talk about in a second just typing in what you found and uploading it and that contributes to our data set and we've we've had thousands and thousands of entries from volunteers over the last few years and it's a, it's a really powerful tool to just be able to have that data. And the NOAA Marine Debris Tracker app is our app that we use for cleanup. So you can download it from the App Store. And what you do is you select the NEC, North Coast Environmental Center's list. So different organizations can add a specific list of trash items for their area. So you'll want to select ours. And that'll have all of the different types of trash that we commonly see here, including stuff specific to Humboldt County, stuff from the cannabis industry, fishing industry, oyster farming industry. And you just you go on a cleanup and you just type in what you found. It's pretty easy. 
and actually really fun. And to be able to like look afterwards and be like, oh man, we found this many cigarette butts or this many plastic forks or or what have you, or to really think about like what the what the trend is in the neighborhood that you were cleaning up, like what people are throwing on the ground there. And Absolutely. through that, through that, we've discovered that and just over the years, you know, we've picked up and NEC volunteers have picked up tens of thousands of cigarette butts off of the streets in Humboldt County. And it's one of the most littered items around the world. And so that is we are working on a butt in program, which is really just getting cigarette butt receptacles to areas around our cities where that tends to be an issue. A lot of it is no surprise outside of bars where people congregate and smoke cigarettes and just giving them an, an alternative to throwing them on the ground. Yeah, definitely. I think the number is is over 70,000 that we've picked up over the last four years or so. So that's an incredible amount. And a lot of people think when they throw a cigarette on the ground that it's paper, so it'll just decompose. But it's actually plastic. <laughs> it's like 12,000 strands of plastic or something like that. And that just disintegrates and turns into microplastics, one of our least favorite types of plastic. <laughs> so it, it's an issue. And, and the butt-in cigarette butt prevention program is is has been really effective, I think. And we've got one more cigarette receptacle. So if you know of a business, a bar, music venue that could use one, let them know that they can apply because it's free for them. And we would love to get that one out there. All right. So we are coming to the end of today's program. Ivy, is there anything that we haven't touched on that our listeners should know about in advance of Closeville Cleanup Day? If not, we can always reiterate that you should go to yournec.org and from that homepage, you'll be able to find links to the Coastal Cleanup Day. And if you want to talk to Ivy about Coastal Cleanup Day or other trash-related programs at the North Coast Environmental Center, Ivy, what's that email again? IvyNECmail at gmail.com. So I'll spell that out. I-V-Y-N-E-C-M-A-I-L at gmail.com. All right. Well, friends, thanks for joining us on another great episode of the Eco News Report. And join us next week on This Time and Channel for more environmental news from the North Coast of California. Have a good one.